You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Mike Dobbs of the Reminder Newspapers and the Valley Advocates, Kristen Palpini. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hi. Massachusetts lawmakers are still working on this session's criminal justice reform package and in the mix, a proposal that would allow many offenders to stay in the juvenile court system longer than age 18 until they turn 21. My proponents say that too many kids between the ages of 18 and 21 lack the maturity to stay out of trouble and struggle in adult jails. Do you think raising the age to 21 helps fix that problem? You know, um, I, what I find fascinating is the concept that at age 21, we're an adult. And I don't know if that's based on law or biology, <laughs> uh, but clearly this has been the benchmark for for most of our existence. Now they're saying, well, you know, between 18 and 21, you, you don't have a fully formed brain and you may do things impulsively, and so therefore you should be treated as a juvenile instead of an adult, which... I think this discussion is going to lead to a, um, a larger discussion about the, the, the privileges you get at 21. Should you be getting those privileges at 21? And then another discussion would be, if you're 18, should you really be going into the military, for instance? That's a good question. Um, I, you know, after reading a little bit about it and looking into what they want to do, this bill as it is now kind of scares me a little bit because, um, you know, it would increase the age to 21, but the brain isn't fully developed till 25. So what are we really doing here? And then the other thing is um, the sealed record. Particularly, this made me think of campus rape and um, how people involved in that would be able to hide through the juvenile court system. Mm, That's interesting. And that kind of freaks me out. Well, let me ask you this. Um, Those that don't think it's wise to put older kids between the ages of 18 and 21 with younger juveniles believe it can expose the younger kids to dangerous behavioral influences. So let's listen to 26-year-old Springfield native Giovanni Smith, who has been through both the juvenile and adult systems. I don't know how the females are, but as for the males, that male ego, it's big. It's real big in prison. Certain people demand respect, and they go about it by fighting or picking on the weak. I want to hear from both of you about this. Mike, what do you think about Smith's concerns that this exposes the younger kids to troubled older kids. I think it's completely valid, absolutely. Um, But at the same time, I'm not sure if this legislation would actually be a cure for what he just described. I have to agree. Um, The reforms that uh, folks are looking for there uh, in the juvenile system, you know, you get more support uh, trying to get you to the next level when you get out, being successful. that's, that's something that the entire criminal justice system needs, um, not just the kids. Okay. Well, earlier this week, a federal judge blocked President Donald Trump's executive order to withhold funding from so-called sanctuary cities. These cities, including some in our region, have explicitly said that they won't comply with immigration detention requests, but some local prisons are holding inmates on behalf of the feds, including Franklin County, where the House of Correction is in Greenfield, and it's the only place in western Massachusetts that's doing this. Mike, Franklin County Sheriff Christopher Donilon says this money goes to the state, but that it strengthens his hand when he asks for more resources. Do you think that's a good reason? 
Well, I do know that the um, the county sheriffs do go to Boston and they do plead their case uh, when it comes to the budget time. And in this particular instance, I think that what he's trying to say is, um, here's what we are doing on behalf of the federal government and shouldn't we be compensated directly for providing these services? I guess my response is, um, I can understand his logic, um, and undoubtedly, you don't want the taxpayers of the Commonwealth to be paying for something that the feds ought to be paying for. Well, this is an especially charged time for immigration policy, and Donilon defends his decision to keep housing undocumented immigrants, including to local residents who question why he's doing it. Let's listen. And what I do is clarify to them, there are no deputy sheriffs who work for me who are going out and trying to apprehend or identify people who are here illegally. That just doesn't happen in this department. And we don't engage in any activities on the front end. Only the back end, he says, after the feds have already gone through their detention process. Kristen, is this, you know, we're on the back end, not the front end explanation? Is that working for you? This is such a fraught issue. Um, Greenfield has been doing this for years, long before this all became boiling and and, uh, and ugly. Um, and they, they make about a million dollars a year out of that three million. That comes back to them. And it makes me wonder if being a, uh, a jail in a Franklin County where there's not a lot of people, not a lot of tax dollars, do they really need that one million to stay? Is that really keeping it open? It might be. Well, what the sheriff has said to us is that that money is used for programs to support treatment for the other prisoners. So as some of you may know, this is my final short list and day at NEPR. I'm heading to Boston and WGBH. I know, it's amazing. I'd love to know, however, what the two of you think about Eastern Mass Media uh, in terms of their coverage of Western Mass. I'm going to give you, this is your big chance. Weigh in. Do you really? (laughs) Kristen, what say you? So I say that um, out in Boston, uh, you know, they... You know, they don't really know that we exist past Worcester. Maybe the Berkshires they're aware of. Um, You run into people sometimes at Sugarloaf and things like that. And they say, I had no idea this was out here. And it's just, we've always been here. But the problem with that is, the problem with not knowing that Western Mass is out here is that Boston is constantly making, um, well, legislation is constantly being made in Boston that affects all of us. And um, you wind up with situations such as, uh, I'm going to talk about Greenfield again, the homeless uh, situation in Greenfield where people, homeless people from all around the Pioneer Valley were being moved up there, which was a decision in Boston. Right. But those people couldn't get back to their jobs. They couldn't get back to their They didn't know friends. it was rural. They don't they get don't it. No. Yes. Mike, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, we are such a small state. I mean, you know, we can drive from Pittsfield to Provincetown in a day with no problem, have plenty of time left over for a lobster roll, right? (laughs) Um, And yet you would think that we are this huge expanse of territory because there's one part of the state that has a different vocabulary, has an accent, one of the ugliest going. And, <laughs> and they really do think that if you go past Worcester, there, you know, there's an edge and there's dragons and, and there's mist. All right. That, I opened the door. I'm shutting it. However, I promise you, my friend Mike Dobbs of the Reminder Newspapers and Kristen Palpini of the Valley Advocate, I will bring your concerns. I will wear them like a right. badge. I promise you. So thanks to you both. <laughs> Thank Anytime. You. And thanks to you, 
our listeners for always tuning into The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. You can catch The Shortlist anytime by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or by going to nepr.net slash podcast. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is New England Public Radio. Music.